It may appear that violence is out of control on this planet, from domestic violence to mass shootings to endless war, and if we would peer deeply into the structure of violence, we may be very surprised to find our personal responsibility for making that violence obsolete. Welcome to Love Always Wins. My name is David Hazen. This podcast is about us, our shared journey. If you have any comments or questions, email me at lovealwayswins.us at gmail.com. That address is in the show notes if you would like to find it there. Last week I spoke about the importance of passing all the way through the resolution of grief. Today, I am framing the global pandemic of violence as a contagious disease that will remain out of control until we fully grieve its consequences. I'm talking about some serious, gut-wrenching weeping that you may not want to think about. The cartoonist Walt Kelly once had his character, Pogo, say, We have found the enemy, and he is us. There are no other enemies than us. I repeat, there are no other enemies than ourselves. We create our enemies with our addiction to our way of thinking about external enemies. Many writers over many years have pointed to the addictive nature of violence, and I've listed some of them in the show notes. I am a recovering violent person. I accept that I have latent, uncontrollable thoughts about harming other people. I'm also grateful, deeply grateful, that when those thoughts were directed inward towards myself, towards suicide, I finally accepted help. Violence is, at its core, a strategy to control other people in order to produce temporary relief from frustration, grief, or pain quickly without changing the thoughts or behavior that cause these negative feelings. That's the common thread that runs through all addictions. Temporary relief. There is never enough. Violence is an indicator that we have failed at anger management, we have failed at grieving, and we have failed to communicate what it is we really want. Those failures alone are enough to cause weeping, and when I include the centuries of lost human potential, the loss of the paradise that has been gifted to us, this planet, and my sense of utter loneliness and helplessness to do anything about it, I have wept for a very long time. It is very uncomfortable. Gestalt therapist Fritz Perl said, quote, It's the awareness, the full experience of how you are stuck that makes you recover. Unquote. I don't believe anyone can create peace on earth without having this experience to see how we are stuck in our way of thinking about control of other people. Here's the good news. 
If we frame violent thoughts, words, and behaviors as a disease, as a perverted expression of our grief, then it becomes possible to put that disease into remission, to integrate it into a much larger vision of who we are, who we are with, and where we are going as a species. Then our failure to end violence is no longer about us and our moral weakness. We just simply didn't know there were alternatives, choices we had not considered, and a powerful, dark, and blinding human history that convinced us we had no choice. Now we know. The information age that began shortly after World War II is rapidly making it impossible to not know that the choice is right here, right now. We know how adverse a childhood experiences produce traumas later in life, and get passed from generation to generation. We know the disabilities and psychosomatic symptoms produced by post-traumatic stress. We know we are in the middle, not the beginning, of the great sixth mass extinction event, which will go on for decades, if not centuries. We know that the fear of scarcity affects what happens in the stock market on Monday, which directly impacts what happens in Congress on Tuesday, that changes who lives or dies in Ukraine on Wednesday. This is all too much, too soon, too shocking to contemplate, and so we must grieve and accept that we have not had the answers for all these troubles. We have made some terrible mistakes. And one very important thing, we are capable of learning new behaviors with different outcomes. Whole systems theory predicts that humanity is a single organism in search of stability that regularly gets thrown off balance, overcorrects into further imbalance, and in order to avoid extinction is forced to make a major paradigm shift in how it approaches small disturbances to prevent them from becoming larger threats. A paradigm shift can be defined as a shift in thinking patterns or an altered state of mind, usually to a vision of things we've never seen before but have always been present. One of the other things we've learned since World War II is that altered states of mind are good for us. They help us integrate new information. We can alter our normal waking awareness so that curiosity replaces our addiction to thinking with prejudice. This has been done, is being done, and may continue to happen to not only millions of people, but also everyone on this planet, because a paradigm shift is contagious. Yes Magazine is one of many publishers that are documenting this amazing transition. As I said in episode two, we are all connected far more than we normally assume that we are. And I refer again in the show notes to that book, Connected, in case you missed it. 
If you would appreciate the leisure of examining my line of thinking in more detail, you may download a free PDF of my book, Love Always Wins, from my website, which I put into the show notes. Next week, our topic will be the merry-go-round of shame and violence. As a reminder to both me and you, let's pay attention to our breathing and keep it gentle. I love you.